Welcome back to The Process. This is Nick Veronica, and this week we are talking all things Super Bowl 56, Rams, Bengals, prop bets. It's now legal in New York State, and we have on Mike Leone from Establish the Run. You know him on Twitter as Two Hats One Mike. He is a Buffalo guy who works full-time in the fantasy sports industry. So Mike is going to talk to us about his thoughts on the game, the outlook on prop bets. He's going to take us through some of his process. You know, if you see a bet that you kind of like, but how do you know if you like it enough to take it? Any questions you might have about being a full-time fantasy professional? We got into all of that here. So thanks for listening, and shout out to our sponsor, Ethos Performance Rehab. Also, before we start, I wanted to take a minute and acknowledge the passing of Buffalo News sports reporter Miguel Rodriguez. Miguel died last week after a battle with COVID, and as hard as that news was to take, the outpouring of support from the local sports community was amazing to see. And at his wake, there was a board just cut up with, with every single nice tweet anyone had said about him, and that was that, that was just, just a really nice moment. So, Miggy, we miss you, buddy. It's not the same without you. Rest in peace. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Charlie, we got Mike Leone with us here from Establish the Run. He's going to take us through some prop bets and uh, your betting guide for Super Bowl 56. Mike, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Nick, Charlie, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, prop. We've been doing the props all season at Establish the Run, so... Uh, really excited to do it for the Super Bowl as well. It's it's tough for the Super Bowl because there's so much focus all you know w- over two weeks that the lines are a little bit more efficient than they might be on a normal week. So it's a little bit harder to pick them off, but uh, we also get a lot of variety. So it should be a fun time. All right, now Mike, you can co- correct me anywhere I'm wrong here, but if you if you guys you probably know Mike through Twitter, he's at Two Hats One Mike, and he's a he's a local guy, Kanisha's high school grad. Who, Mike, I would call you a professional sports better. Do you like that title? Is that accurate? Uh, I would say more fantasy sports player with like betting on, on the side, more of more hobbyist as far as betting goes. With the betting just getting legalized here in New York, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to doing it more frequently. Okay, I was assuming that those were maybe daily fantasy was wrapped in into the same vein, I suppose. Yeah, I I guess I look at them a little bit differently, but um, in, in that you know same light, I am full time in the fantasy sports betting industry, doing content for Establish the Run, and our betting stuff is mostly focused on props, which we're going to talk about because that's the most beatable market out there. Like it's really hard for them to set accurate lines each week you know it's very easy to set accurate lines on sides like those get efficient so quickly in the market if you're betting totals or sides but as far as the prop market goes um there's still there's still an, a pretty good edge to be had if you're paying attention so i think we ran like close to 65 percent for the season which we were pretty proud of and uh yeah so um, why is that why are the props beatable Yes, I think it's it's um, first of all, it's not as big of a market as like betting sides and totals like the total amount of money spent in in these markets is like, you know, a gargantuan difference. So it's not as a result of that, it's harder for the lines to get efficient. Like you've got all this sharp money 
being bet on, you know, Cincinnati plus four or whatever in terms of size that the books are able to pretty quickly get that, you know, that number to what I would call an efficient number where it's really difficult for the average person to have any sort of edge in terms of, you know, if they, they, they played that game a thousand times over, you'd basically be losing the rake regardless of which side that you bet. Um, I mean, that, that that's not always the case. There's obviously going to be exceptions, but in general, if you're betting sides and totals, it's a lot more difficult uh, because of the size of the market and the information that the books have. And you're, you know, you're setting one total, one line per game. Now you're talking about player props. I mean, sometimes, you know, our most profitable players that we're betting on can be like guys further down the depth chart that the books might not realize could be affected by like player, you know, a being out affects player C and they might be slow on that. And there's just so many players to keep track of that. It's a lot harder for them to set good lines. And because there's less money involved, you know, there's, you don't have those indicators. So, and I do think too, that these markets, like the props markets are good markets for the books to have in terms of getting casual betters to play. So you know, they're not necessary. I mean, obviously the books want to win on everything, but it's kind of like a gateway for them to, you know, get, get betters to bet on their more profitable stuff. All right. So let's talk about Rams against Bengals. Just tell me, talk to me how you and your site, how you guys saw these teams as they progressed through the playoffs and how they're looking in your mind for the big game. Yeah, the Bengals are the more interesting team to kind of look at just like their evolution over the course of the season they're a team that like coming into the year we were really high on at establish a run but more so from a fantasy sports perspective you know definitely didn't expect them to be in the super bowl but we did see that higher ceiling for their offense just given you know the talent that they injected into the passing game you know joe burrow coming back his second season the addition of jamar chase who i mean he was one of the best wide receiver prospects since maybe amari cooper like this guy was really really legit high-end prospect and you throw him into an offense that already had T Higgins as a pretty big hit as a rookie and expecting, you know, wheels up for them. So over the course of the season, at times they were frustrating with their, you know, commitment to the run game. And we did see them though, tail into the season and into the playoffs, get a little bit more pass happy, which I think, you know, for them to hit their ceiling, that's what they needed to do. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays against the Rams to see if they're able to be pass happy, you know, one in terms of if Taylor is going to just be willing to be aggressive in terms of the play calling, but two, you know, is Burrow going to have time to throw? I think that's kind of the story of the game is Aaron Donald, Von Miller going up against a somewhat shaky Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, the game in general. I mean, you, you, I don't think anyone had Cincinnati uh, getting to the, the Super Bowl this year. I, I, I was uh, quite surprised to see them, <laughs> yeah. them there against uh, the Rams. Um, but I mean, what are you looking at as far as, you know, you talk about the passing game of Cincinnati. What are we looking at going into this game with, um, you know, what, what, what are we looking at with, with Joe Burrow, with Jamar Chase, um, as far as a prop bet? side goes with those two guys yeah our early look you know one of the first props that we took for the super bowl was under on joe burrow's passing attempts at 37 and a half so you know just got done talking how it's been 
fun to see them be a little bit pass happier. You know, mm. their pass rate over expectation has grown towards the tail end of the season. But, you know, with that said, the 37 and a half line seemed kind of inflated to me. It's you know, not a super tight spread, but it's a smaller spread at four. Um, so, you know, hopefully they're not in a hugely negative game script that's going to force them to throw a lot. And we also, you know, just by the numbers have the Rams running more plays total than the Bengals. And we have Burrow taking more sacks. We have Burrow scrambling a little bit more. So like these really small things kind of add up to where, you know, they might call 40 pass plays in this game, but it's still going to be, you know, tough for Burrow to hit, you know, the, the really high attempts total. It just seems, seems kind of inflated to us. That was one of the first ones we took. As far as the receiving game with Jamar Chase and T Higgins, you know, I know there's, I've seen some sharp people that are, that are on T Higgins, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. there, there is a head to head market where you can actually bet Jamar Chase and T Higgins straight up. And I think T Higgins is plus 115, which is a little bit interesting. I'm not sure if I'm on that, but people think that Ramsey is going to be pretty locked in on Jamar Chase and, you know, the defense is going to be organized around stopping chase and T Higgins, like his opportunity over the course of the season has been right there with Jamar chase. He hasn't had the insane efficiency that Jamar chase has had. So that one's somewhat interesting. We don't layer in the cornerback wide receiver stuff in our projections a ton, just because we see a lot of noise in that where, Mm -hmm. you know, it's easy for someone to just say, okay, Jalen Ramsey is going to take care of Jamar chase. But in reality, we don't know the exact game plan, the coverages that, you know, they're going to call. And even if we did know Jamar chase was going to be, you know, locked in a battle with Jalen Ramsey, we saw Mike Evans have a really successful game going up against Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. two weeks ago in the playoffs when, you know, it was kind of the same thought process. It was like, let's, let's bet on Gronk because Ramsey's going to take care of chase. And, you know, Chase can still get him on a deep ball. They're going to run some short stuff for Chase to let him do his thing in terms of yards after the catch. So, uh, I'm not play, I'm not buying into the. Uh, I'm I'm not super worried about Chase. I guess is what I'm getting mm-hmm. at. But the lines there look like there's not there's not a ton to be had there right now. I think like the head to head market would be most interesting if you wanted to just take the plus money on Higgins. Yeah, you know my 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 fantasy team would would definitely say that you know much like you said, Higgins had kind of a uh, an off year this year. I was expecting more from him this year, especially with you know Jamar Chase kind of emerging early on in the year. I figured uh, T Higgins would come on later on in the year, but um, you know there's I'm I'm on Fanduel right now looking at some bets regarding receiving, and the one I'm looking at that that really catches my eye is Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup combined for 200 plus yards receiving. Um. That's at a yep. plus one hundred. What are our thoughts on 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 something like that? Plus one hundred on the the over. Yep. Yeah, that that seems okay. That those combined props, honestly, I struggle with a little bit mm-hmm. because. And one thing I did want to talk about with Chase and Higgins is like a mean projection versus a medium projection, which is you know a big thing we get into, and part of the reason I think we're successful, which is. A lot of times, most of the times, especially these higher end players, what we see is their like their average yards per game is going to skew higher than their median outcome, which is you know what they would do fifty percent of the time. And 
the reason for that is like you look at a guy like you know Jamar Chase, you look at his game log. He's got you know a couple games where he's literally gone over 200 yards, which mm-hmm. by the way, it's 12 to one, I think. Uh, to get someone to go 200 plus yards receiving in this game. Um, I don't think it's a good bet, but uh, that was what I was looking at earlier. So that's going to skew like his average higher. So he's going to have, you know, he might have a lot of games where he goes 60 to 70 yards, right? And then he hits the 200. So mm-hmm. sometimes the prop lines are based on that average when it really should be based on the median. Because we, we don't care how much we lose by if we lose, right? Or how much we win by if we win. We just want to be on the correct side. So that's another reason why I think like him versus T Higgins is kind of close where, you know, Chase's ceiling is a lot higher, but when he's hitting those outcomes, he's beating T Higgins already. Anyways, we don't care about, you know, how much he beats T Higgins by as far as chase and cup to go for 200 plus that gets trickier too, where, you know, when it's just one guy, the mean median stuff like skews, like is, is like overly accounted for. But then when you throw in a couple of players, you know, you just need one of those guys to really blow their individual prop out of the water. To me, one of the biggest things in the game is can the Bengals actually hold off the pass rush of the Rams here? What what way do you see that affecting props? Are we looking at, at sack numbers, at lower passing totals, at, at running back yards being less because they won't be able to get going? Are you looking at team totals just being under as a whole? Like, what, what do you do when you feel like you have an insight like that? Yeah, if you do think that Aaron Donald, Von Miller are going to wreak havoc, you know, on the Bengals, there's a couple ways to bet it. Again, like I said, like oddly that feeds into the under on the Burrow pass attempts. But if you want to get into some of the wackier bets, you know, either quarterback to get sacked on their first offensive play is plus twenty five hundred. That's one <laughs> that we we have a column on established to run that's like more of the fun prop bets. Um, and then also the Rams total sacks over three and a half is plus one Oh five. So that one's a little straighter, you know, not a, a, as mm-hmm. wackier. And that one seems all right. We saw Burrow take like what nine sacks in the game against Tennessee, which, which everyone talked about. And, and it's a combination of not just the mismatch on the line, but a lot of the sacks Burrow took against Tennessee, you know, he was holding onto the ball long, which is, you know, that's a quarterback thing. That's kind of a sticky thing. He's going to hold onto the ball a little bit too long. And they are, you know, like I said, it's not a huge spread, but they are four point dogs, which they're going to more likely to be, be trailing in this game. Um, so you, you can take some chances on, on the sack stuff like that. I do like the first play at plus 2,500. Um, you know, especially if if you're fortunate enough that the Bengals win the toss and take the ball to start, um, you know, that, that's one way to take advantage of it. As far as it flowing through, I think you mentioned flowing through to rushing stuff. I don't have it affecting that too much. Um, the big, you know, the biggest, this is kind of an aside because it's not really stemming from the sack question, mm-hmm. but the most interesting part of it, what's hard for props for this game you know, I mentioned at the top of the show that it's hard because, you know, we're already a full week of everyone paying attention to this game and betting these lines. But the other thing that's hard is these teams, like we kind of know where the ball's going. And a lot of times the value in the prop market is like guys getting hurt and whatnot. So we do have a few situations. We have both tight ends getting hurt and knocked out of the, the conference championship games. Uzama for the Bengals and Higby for the Rams. We also had though acres had that shoulder injury 
And his line is set right now that he's like going to be like 90% healthy. And and the, the backfield stuff for the Rams is interesting to me where we actually took the over on acres in the NFC conference championship game on like 57 and a half rush yards. Uh, you have to be careful with the overs for the exact thing that happened, which is acres gets banged up. He misses some snaps. Um, that's why unders are generally more profitable because these little things we don't, you know, think about like play a role, they get caught in a negative game script. Michelle plays a lot, but his line, I was surprised. I think it's mostly like 63, 64, most places rush yards. So it's even higher than last week, even though he didn't have that successful of a game. And it, I don't think that shoulder injury is going to bother him, but it, it is the, uh, I guess the gap between him and Michelle is a, is a good conversation point, depending on how you see that. Because the game versus Tampa Bay, I think Acres out carried Michelle twenty four to one, you know. And then last week, it was a lot lot tighter. So uh, right now, I think the market and the way we're projecting it is kind of splitting the difference there. But if you have yeah. a, a hot take, like if you think Acres is going to be fully healthy and they're going to ride him, you know, over sixteen and a half carries looks kind of decent. We know McVay's going to try to establish it if he can. All right. So hold on. Before we get going any farther here, I know some listeners here are going to be thinking, you know, how come that they have, they're not talking, you know, spread in, in total here. And you sort of mentioned a little bit about that, but is, is there, do you have any thoughts on spread or total before we just keep getting into more props? Yeah. So when I give spread and, and total takes, I just like to be completely transparent that it's mostly me, uh, firing from the hip a little bit, like most of our focus on established run is, is player projections and adapting kind of our fantasy model to the betting model. So we have betting takes, I have betting takes, but you know, there's no, like they're not model backed or anything. I just like to be transparent about that. I did bet Cincinnati plus four early on. I thought that number just seemed a little too high to me. You know, LA was only minus three versus San Francisco. And I really thought it was going to come down. And then I'll be honest, a few hours after I bet that talking through it a little bit more, I felt, I felt a little bit foolish. The line kind of went up to four and a half pretty quickly. It's hovered between four and a half and four over the last week and a half. And yeah, the, the four points seems like a lot to me, but at the same time, if you really kind of line these two teams up side by side, the Rams, kind of check boxes almost all the way down. Um, and so it's a little bit scary being on the Bengals side, even with the plus four um, worried about that, that mismatch on the line. And mm. also thinking of how the Bengals got here, they ran pretty pure, you know, little things like they, they have, I think like three or four interceptions on, on tipped passes, which mm -hmm. is something that's not sustainable. Um, little things like that, you know, we have a tendency to think that it's the best teams kind of make it to the end, but sometimes it's the most fortunate teams and they won three straight one possession games. So, um, whereas the Rams were a little, they, they obviously they try to throw that game away against Tampa Bay, but they pretty much dominated Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay. They dominated Arizona. They struggled against San Francisco and they pulled that one out narrowly, but, they do feel like the stronger team and you know, it's reflected in the line, but I'm a little squeamish on my uh, Bengals plus four tickets right now. What are you guys thinking? With the way the playoffs have gone this year, you know, 
Uh, it's crazy to think that, you know, looking at plus four on the Bengals side is, is, is kind of scary, but I agree with you. I I'm, I'm nervous with that defensive line of the Rams going up against this offensive line of the Bengals that has shown multiple, multiple times throughout the season that they are a little bit shaky. Um, you know, now don't forget Joe Burrow does have decent capability. I think he showed that a couple times, uh, last or two weeks ago against Kansas city. Um, but yeah, I just feel like LA's uh, defense just going to be too good for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I think that uh, you know I would definitely take the Rams at uh, you know at four. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I think the the offensive line is why, and I think it, it's and you do have two weeks to prepare and just scheme up things. But I think that's really going to put Joe Burrow in a situation he hasn't really been in this year and he's going to get a little rattled the ball's going to have to come out faster than he wants and and just the like the the players that the rams have the, you know they're coming at you on both sides it's not like you can just keep in an extra tight end on one side and, and and just solve solve your problem and cover for one weak player so i think that that's going to be that's going to be huge it's you know it's in some ways similar to last year's super bowl with the offensive line issues and we, we saw how that happened so um i will I seemed to, you know, not do so great picking picking spreads, and I, I always just wondered if, like, growing up, just seeing the Bills get killed like every week, kind of like warped your your brain of, of thinking <laughs> of like what the average point differential in an NFL game really is. Um, but just, I mean, straight up, or even if uh, maybe maybe a double result with the Rams Rams halftime and final. But to to me, it seemed like it seemed like it, you know, the the Rams to to me was uh, a good. A good bet, but I haven't had a ton of luck, so maybe just do the opposite of what I say, and you'll make some money. I don't know. Now, now, how about you know? What about uh, the over under? It looks here on uh, Fanduel, the over is set at over under set at forty eight and a half. Um, yeah. what are your thoughts on that for this game? I feel like personally, I feel like it's going to be in a low scoring game. Um, you know, I think one team's defense is just going to dominate, and I, I just don't see. You know, forty-eight points being scored in this game, but you know, I'm right, not the Ma- professional. Mike, let, let me bounce out this question and ask you like another question on, on top of that one. If you think that you have, you know, not not that you're smarter than than Vegas, but just, just if, you, if something is standing out to you as being more significant, maybe than than it is being accounted for in, in the lines. Like maybe you think the disparity in the lines is, is bigger than most people think. I don't know. W- would you? So say that that kind of compounds and take that across all bets and take Bengals point total to be under maybe the game total under and you kind of apply that across the board or would you kind of cover yourself, you know, by by not not hedging everything based on that one factor possibly being wrong because because for me I would think under point total and possibly even Bengals team total under would might be good bets based on the idea that I think their, their line is significantly overmatched, but would you, would you go big with that thought or would you kind of hedge against your own self? So my general philosophy, like if I'm playing in DFS, this happens a lot, but like, I kind of want to push where I think my edge is at, you know, if I, if I think I found an edge, like, like I want to push it and you know, you don't want to get too crazy. You want to figure out smart ways to do it. You want to figure out, you know, there are types of bets you can make where you could be like kind of wrong on the line mismatch and still win the bet, you know, like, and, you know, like even if you're betting under 48 and a half, you think they're not accounting for the line that much. Like 
if you're right, you got your money in good. And if you're not right, well, it's still kind of like close to a coin flip that it's going to go under anyways. The other thing I haven't messed around too much with the single game parlay stuff that you can do. You have to be careful with that because if you, you miss know, one, you miss it all. And it sucks. Yeah. Anytime you're parlaying, you, you know, you have to just understand the, the risk reward that you're getting yourself into, but it does provide an opportunity where if you have a unique angle and you can correlate it, you know, through your single game parlay, like, like that's when you want to play single game. Parlay. You don't want to play single game parlay just, you know, for shits and giggles. You want to play it. Mm -hmm. If you think you have something that's pretty highly correlated because that's that that's the way that that actually becomes smarter than making just a straight bet. You know, most of the time parlays are people being greedy, but there are times where <laughs> a parlay is actually like, positive expected value just because of the correlation angle so hmm. um i wish i could pull one up now I'm i i feel one. seen by the way with the uh comment of parlays are just people being greedy i am that that is all i do on saturdays college football uh saturdays is just parlay day all day well it, you know the social media accounts for these brands they they <laughs> love finding people who have you know, a, a five dollar parlay at you know a twenty team thing at plus twelve thousand or whatever it is, and and you know they, they hit eleven out of twelve legs. What should they do? Should they cash in? Should they? I mean, I I think they should always cash in on those ones. But um, I mean, the other day, you know, just messing around, I had like a like an eight leg thing, just kind of screwing around. And I hit seven out of eight, and you're like, what? I see, you know, you still lost. Yeah. You were this, yeah. and it's you know when it's you know two three bucks, you're kind of just doing it for entertainment almost, but. Like, like, so t like a $10 bet on Rams money line under game total under Burrow passing yards and under Bengals, um, team total, you know, it pays out 36 bucks. So like you can do stuff like that. I'm not saying to do exactly that, but mm -hmm. I think especially for the Super Bowl, I mean, you want to have a little bit fun again. Like right. I would push, I would push that edge. Um, mm. and then. In general, I do think this game skews a little bit under. I was hoping we'd get more of an inflated mm -hmm. total, just like people being ex being excited. Um, Forty-eight and a half seems like yeah. a pretty well, sharp listen, line. Be though. Being an under better is just a miserable experience. You are just hoping everything goes wrong. Someone scores a touchdown, you get mad. Yep, yep. I I had the under last year in the Super Bowl, and uh, uh, I also had Kansas City winning last year, so I, I didn't really have a great a great Super Bowl last year. I think what how Cincinnati calls plays is really going to play into this quite a bit. You know, if they're if they're aggressive, it's going to up the variance of the game in general. Where whether they're successful or not, we could see more scoring. You know, just mm -hmm. there's just going to you know there's more turnover worthy plays, more opportunities for them to score big plays. Um, if they coach a little bit passively, I think McVay, McVay's pretty conservative, all things considered. Like yeah. he's got a super sharp offense, but as far as play calling, you know, he definitely wants to run the ball. He'll definitely settle for field goals in fourth and short situations. So if Cincinnati is going to play somewhat conservative, we get like a close-ish game. We could see a lot of first, first down running plays, a lot of rushing plays in neutral situations. And that's, you know, going to gear towards the under it's going to churn clock it's you know lower variance type plays is there a prop to punt from plus field position <laughs> i wish there was <laughs> there might be there's props for everything but so speaking uh, of, yeah speaking go of ahead props, real quick you're, you're talking about the 
uh, Cincinnati offense. I want to stay on that a little bit longer real quick. Um, looking here, they're showing – we're talk a little bit about Joe Burrow. I want to talk about Joe Mixon, the other Joe mm-hmm. uh, in Cincinnati there. But Joe Mixon's uh, over-under is set at 63.5 rushing yards. Uh, I feel confident taking the over in that with him this week. I know you say, you know, you just take the under when it comes to stuff like that, but the way Joe Mixon's been running the ball, and I think, um, you know, how much he has really been the workhorse at times of this offense when Joe Burrow has struggled like we saw two weeks ago, I feel confident with Joe Mixon at the over. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so we've got Mixon projected for 74 rushing yards. That's generally an over that we'll pass on just because there's a lot of stuff working in favor of the under, you know, kind of the uns like the, the mean median thing that I talked about the like small injury risk stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and then also if the game goes to a negative game script, you know, let's say Cincinnati falls behind the play calling is not going to be in Mixon's favor. He might not even, you know, he might even get taken off the field a little bit. Samaj P runs the third down back. So, if I were to bet, I would take over, you know, we have it projected over by 12 yards, you know, about, you know, 20% edge we're showing in the over. Mm-hmm. So like it being the Super Bowl, probably that's enough for me to say, take the over, but mm-hmm. generally that's the type of bet we'd be like, let's stay away mm-hmm. from that, you know, stay away from both sides of that. Yeah. And that goes back to your point with Cam Akers too, where he was injured, you know, two weeks ago and it, that, that kind of messed up the over on that. But like I said, I, I just feel from my side and you know again i'm not i'm not the pro i just watch the games with my with my eyes but um just way joe mixon run the ball i I, i'd be hesitant to take the under on that yeah his carries too is also just like acres it's at 16 and a half which is feels a little bit light we did take you know one of the bets that we took was under on joe mixon 29 and a half receiving yards that's fallen to 25 and a half so i don't know if i would take it there that's another one where like there's going to be times where he blows this out of the water. He's been a lot more involved in the passing game recently, but mm-hmm. I think some of that's a little bit random. In like we we saw very clearly that Samaj P Ryan's still the passing down back for the Bengals last week and you know if if you get like a 30-yard receiving total for a, a running back for any running back, like that's pretty high if they're not the passing down back. Like if just mm-hmm. the base back. Even if it's you know, Mixon's going to play like 75, 80% of the snaps. He's still going to play a ton of the snaps. He's going to get, you know, worked in. We have him projected for like, you know, just under four catches around the 25 receiving yards. But that, that's one of those good mean medium. That's when you can get sometimes those running back unders. So if that pops back up towards 30, that's one that I like. Can I ask you, I, I, I'm sorry, Mike, let me, let me ask you to elaborate a little bit more on that idea that you mentioned of liking a bet, but not liking it enough to actually take it, which I think that, you know, a lot of people struggle with that and that's where they lose with it. You know, that's, should I, you know, I like it, but I don't know if if I like it enough. How do you know when you like it enough to actually take it? Yeah, it's definitely difficult. Almost anything we project under the line, you know, we're, we're biased towards unders to begin with. So we'll, we'll kind of jump on that. If, if our projections already under, we'll take that. If it's an over, we're a little bit more picky uh, in general, but I mean, you have to understand these things are raked, you know, sometimes pretty high, like the Joe Mixon 16 and a half carries is minus minus one fifteen both ways. Like, so if you're, 
Now, if you're betting on the Super Bowl, you're betting for fun once in a while, whether it's minus 115, minus 105, you don't really care. Like you're going to win or lose this bet one time. If you're betting over time, like these little things add up a ton. Um, you know, how much the juice is, you know, half a yard, uh, of the line moving like, you know, one to two yards or half a yard, like getting it in good is, is something that's really important. So making sure you line shop too is super important. You know, you're going to get pretty different lines. Like I'm trying to look at, is, is there a good public resource where people can line shop easily? Um, there, you know, if you search odds comparisons, you can probably find it in, in general, like we, we have a tool that we built kind of internally, but we don't have anything external right now. It might be something we add next year. Um, but yeah, if you just kind of Google like sports book odds, comparisons, New York, um, you should be able to find something that gives, you know, DraftKings, the, the primary ones, DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, Caesars. I think those are like the main four that you really want to be looking at. Um, if you're just comparing across those four, you're doing pretty good. But I mean, some of the weird markets, things can be pretty different. Like we were doing the just for fun props. I gave CJ Uzama to score two touchdowns at 44 to one on FanDuel, which <laughs> like it, it was just a fun long shot, but it was 15 to one on DraftKings. Like, hmm. so, so when you get into the, the weird markets too, you can see some pretty big discrepancies and that can add up quite a bit. Okay. Let me just ask you about a more normal one. Cooper cup. Um, I think this morning I looked, he was over like 104 receiving yards. That's like one of the, one of the biggest single games for, for the Super Bowl. I can, I can recall is that should people be afraid of that number or is he, is he kind of bulletproof? One Oh four and a half. <clears throat> okay. what it's worth. Yeah. We have him projected like right on that. We have 106 receiving yards his target share is so high that his like that, that mean median thing I talked about doesn't apply to him as much as it might for like a Jamar chase, who's more of a higher variance type player. So the median and the mean are a little bit closer for Cooper cop, just thinking in terms of his distribution. So I don't see much there either way. You know, I think, you know, chips on the line, you know, gun to my head, I would take the over on Cooper cup there, but that's a tough one. I think sometimes one, one of the things I've been doing this playoffs, especially since we got the legalized betting in New York, if there's an over, I kind of like, like, you know, you're talking about with the, the line mismatch. Like if it, you, <laughs> you think you have an edge, if the game goes a certain way, sometimes I'll try to find like an alternate line that fits if a game goes a certain way. So I did this with Gabriel Davis and the bills mm, with, and you, you know, the tweet, Chiefs game. You- Bragged about it on Twitter, didn't you? <laughs> it, I did. It was it was my little bit of solace from that painful loss. But Ugh. but it was like I could bet his regular prop, but if I'm right on how much he plays, you know, the upside's there. So the one guy that I see this week that's kind of like that's Van Jefferson, where his over unders 33, I think, ish, depending where you look. We have him projected for about 40 receiving yards. You know, I don't see a lot there where I'm not going to bet an over that we're just projecting over by like six, seven yards. But sometimes the alternate market, you know, they don't take into account that he's he's on the field like 90% of the time. Higby's out. 
you know, I think Van Jefferson was a little bit banged up. He gets the two weeks off. Maybe he's healthier. He gets shots down the field. So, you know, I'd rather take him over 50 yards at plus 205, you know, that, that type of thing, rather than betting, you know, minus 115 that he's over 33 and a half receiving yards. So he's one of the guys I was looking at, at taking some shots. And you can, the thing I did with Gabe Davis, like I laddered up. So instead of just taking Gabe Davis over eight, like you could, or taking Van Jefferson over 80 yards is plus 850. You know, instead of betting, you know, 50 bucks on that, you could do 10 bucks on him over 80, 10 over 70, 10 over 60, 10 over 50, and kind of ladder up and, and hedge it out a little bit that way. So that that's one I'll probably do with him. Interesting. Okay. What, uh, so, so, so talk a little bit more on the, um, the Rams offense, we haven't t- touched on Matt Stafford too much yet. I know we talked a lot of Joe Burrow, and rightfully so. Um, but Matt Stafford's looking at a over to 281 and a half uh, for passing yards. Um, I feel like if Cooper Cup gets to 100, that's pretty much a lock, right? I mean, Cup's share of the team's receiving yards is so insane that it's possible he does that without Stafford going over um Stafford we have at 300 passing yards so we lean over there um I, I ex- expect him to be pretty pretty efficient passing the ball you know we don't have a ton of attempts for him we have like 36 passing attempts which is right around what the line is mm-hmm. but I mean he's been really efficient this season Odell Beckham's playing well um, obviously Cooper cup has been a monster all season, but having Odell as the reliable number two right now is a pretty big plus in his favor. The only concern with Stafford is if, you know, we're playing, like if the Rams D line dominates the since he's O line, like getting back to that and they just ruin the game and McVay plays conservatively, is he going to get enough volume to get there? So I do like the over, but it's not, you know, not nothing crazy there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, it it is crazy how you say that with, you know, the way Cooper, Cooper cup is played. Yeah. The way Cooper cup has played all year. Um, you know, it's crazy thing that Matt Stafford wouldn't go over 300 if, if, if cup hits hundred. So, um, or sorry, wouldn't go over 280. Um, but Hey, you know, Cooper cup's been talked about in the MVP race at some points this year. I mean, the guys just had an unbelievable season and, you know, and I was the idiot that traded him away in fantasy football this season. So, hey, even better. <laughs> even better. All right, Mike, you got any questions for us? What's your favorite prop bet for the Super Bowl? All right. I'll tell you, I always ask people. And last year we had we had um, our guy Dan Fates from Rochester on. He's He likes doing some sports betting. So we, we asked him. I always, I'm always interested that the, the total points, even on – if you if you think about the points, you add an even number plus an even number together, you get an even. Or if you add an odd number plus an odd number together, you get an even. So you would seem to have better odds on even, and yet odd is always ahead. And I assume that you know the math works out that you're really just saying is the margin of victory going to be even or odd? Um, and it just must work out that way in football games more. That just the the way the numbers we use to add points together comes out odd more, but. Um, any thoughts on that? And then people always ask me about Gatorade color. Um, <laughs> I knew that was coming. And well, we so you know we had uh, we had somebody on who used to be an intern for the Bills, and he said, you know, people. I don't know why. I assume people assume 
your Gatorade color like matches your jersey, and that really seems to have nothing to do with it at all. So, uh, any, anything random or fun that uh, you have any any insight on there? Man, I have no idea on the even odd stuff. That's something I haven't looked into. So no clue on that. I know one of our guys at ETR said blue Gatorade plus 400 on draft. Wow. Take that. Uh, I, okay. I have no, <laughs> no idea. I'm just, I'm just going to tell our, our boy, Steven, who does a lot of our video work. He says blue Gatorade plus four. Those ones are fun. Not fun, funny, because like somebody has to know, right? Like, <laughs> right. Because, the amount of money bet's so minimal on the Gatorade that it doesn't matter, but somebody's in the know there, right? We got to get a contact. Uh, yeah, somebody on the inside, right? And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, from, from what we heard from our, our, our Bills intern was they literally just picked the color off the shelf. Like, whatever on the shelf, that's the color they use. Like, there's no really? size behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes it even, you know, tougher to pick which uh, which color they're using as the Gatorade, but... Um, yeah, when it's on the shelf, it's the one that they pick to use, which 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 is crazy. Yeah, um, when I say my my buddy who went to who used to work at Penn State said they they, they never do red at Penn State because they hate Ohio State or like something something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Here's a, here's another fun one: over two and a half players to have a pass attempt at plus one seventy five. I saw plus that. One. I would trick plays. I know. I was thinking, but like, I don't know that either of these coaches are are aggressive enough or or i think i think they're too conservative for that honestly we said odell threw one i think in the uh the wild card game odell threw one yeah you know what that is true i, guess, I don't think there's and, gonna and be hopefully it doesn't happen but you do have the uh the injury the risk. injury out the injury out too yeah that's true that's true uh i would still take the under on that i think that's a easy one gotta live a little charlie yeah right 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 um so we're living a little coin toss. So I saw a crazy stat today that the team that has won the coin toss the last seven Super Bowls has gone on to lose the game. That's crazy. Which is just, you know, crazy to think about. But uh, the coin toss is always a fun prop bet that, that, that people talk a lot about. Um, I do not see – now I don't know if you guys have that one on your side uh, there, Mike, but I don't see – on FanDuel here, anything regarding the coin toss? I saw. I think I, I saw it on DraftKings. I know, and they I just saw it. Like, FanDuel's setup is kind of weird. I saw it like a minute ago, and now I can't get back to it. It's um, it's just minus one hundred five both sides. Oh, it's minus one hundred four both sides on FanDuel. Oh, wow. yeah. Ooh. I mean, they they know that there's no edge in this, so they they just right, right. juice it as low as possible to get you to bet. Mm. I would say tails never fails, but it failed us. uh, That still hurts, Mike. Uh, It does hurt, but (laughs) Charlie brought up the coin toss. Hey, man. Hey, pain. Mike, Mike, Josh Allen, pain. (laughs) If you were uh, line shopping and you happen to notice on different sites, you you could maybe sort sort of bet an overlap. Would you ever just throw a ton of money at basically opposite ends of the same bet? And knowing that you can't lose, and then even though the the payout might be pretty minimal, would you go super heavy at that, or is that just not worth the the time and investment? I mean, if if the lines are off enough that you can get a free chance at a middle, you know, I would definitely definitely take it. You got to be careful, like you got to see understand how much you're going to be able to bet on one side. Like you throw down a huge bet on DraftKings, and you think you're going to be able to 
arbitrage it on FanDuel and then FanDuel limits you. <laughs> All of a sudden you've got this. Is that a thing that happens? I, I haven't heard about that. You, Yeah. I mean, you can get limited kind of the corny phrase willy nilly, but like they can just choose to limit you if they don't want to take the bat or, if, you know, especially if you're, you know, if you are betting props, like it is good to mix in some of these, you know, more fun bats and more casual bats. Cause sometimes they will profile the prop betters as like sharper betters and they'll limit your action a little bit quicker. So, hmm. um, I would, I would be careful with that, but I mean, there's nothing like a, a good chance to hit a middle. I mean, I, I've got a friend who's got, he's got the Rams at 10 to one to win the super bowl about him at the beginning of the playoffs. And he's, he's like wondering if he should hedge. And I'm like, I mean, you could take the Bengals plus four and a half and you could hit both potentially, you know, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I hate hedging just for the sake of hedging. You know, I want there to be an actual, actual purpose. Like otherwise you're kind of just paying rate twice over the long run, but you know, there's always going to be exceptions, especially if you can find like what you're talking about is actual, you're basically locked in profit. Hmm. All right, Mike, tell us people some more about establish the run. Yeah. Um, we're a fantasy sports content site and betting site. I'm the director of analytics over there. So I'm kind of the guy who sets up all of our projections. We do basketball as well as football basketballs and full swing right now. I think the trade deadlines, um, this week, uh, I don't do content for basketball, but that's headed up by Drew Dinkmeyer. Who's, a genius for football though. We're going pretty much year round. Adam Levitan, Evan Silva are you know two guys that have been long established in the industry. It's great working with those guys. They have the more football guy angle type of things and working together is great. We kind of mix the football guy with the, uh, I, I I'm referred to as the spreadsheet virgin over there. That's my, uh, that's my, uh, lovable nickname that they've given me. So, um, but yeah, we cover, I mean, we do season long fantasy, best ball DFS in season is where I'm most focused playing daily fantasy sports on FanDuel and DraftKings. We've got prop betting packages. Uh, the NBA guys are absolutely crushing the props. You know, they're, they're at like over 60%, but their volume is so high. I mean, they're, you're getting out like, they're getting out like six bets a night. Um, that's what's fun about NBA. So uh, we got a lot of stuff going on. I think we're going to have some fun announcements in the future too. So cool. it's really enjoy working there. All right, Mike, you can, you can answer this with as much or as little detail as you, as you want, but just, I'm, I'm sure some people were curious when you started here, you said you are a, a full-time fantasy sports professional. Is that enough? Does that pay enough to pay the bills? <laughs> uh, there's a reason I work for Establish the Run because it's uh you know <laughs> the actual playing side of things is extremely variant. You know you can have I, I've done pretty well over the last handful of years, thankfully, but it's a lot of ups and downs, and you got to have the stomach for it. So it's something that's you know really difficult to do if you don't have kind of like secure income. So I have since I've been in the industry, I've always kind of worked doing content or projections analytics in, in one way or another in addition to playing you know daily fantasy sports and doing some betting yeah you, uh, you see the guys on twitter who have hit actually let, let me just just kind of bounce off that question too so with, with daily fantasy there's a ton of variance and and you're you're trying to put a lineup together that would win but if you really think about it you are winning a lot of other people's money that you didn't really have to put up yourself which 
in some ways, if, if you're super sharp about it, like some of some of the people on your staff are, you could that might seem to, to be a way to make money with almost less risk is, is probably the wrong word, but you, you don't oh, it's have a to peer. I mean, it's a peer to peer game, right? Right. So, like, like you're taking other people's money. It's not it's not just what you put in personally. Yeah. And it's it's I'm trying to think of the best way to describe there's pros and cons to like betting versus fantasy sports, you know. The pros to fantasy sports is it's a peer-to-peer game. You know, there's a certain rake that you're going to pay no matter what, but you're not playing against the house when you're playing fantasy sports. You're playing against other people who might not be taking this as seriously as you, or they might not understand the game dynamics. You know, so so much of the daily fantasy sports isn't, you know, just who knows what about football or who has the best projections. It's like kind of understanding the goal of the types of games you're playing, whether you're playing tournaments or you and I are just playing head to head. Um, so there's some things that can be you know good for you in that type of game. Betting it's the opposite, right? It's you're not betting peer to peer. You're betting against the house, which is always a little bit scary. But you also don't have to bet everything. You can pick off three out of thousands and thousands of lines that they have. And I know some people, the allure of betting to them versus the daily fantasy sports is if they're right, you know, they get paid off. Like if you think Joe Burrow is going to go nuts in the Super Bowl, you bet over 280 passing yards, he throws for 350, you win. Um, if I play him in my daily fantasy lineup, well, you know, 60% of the other contestants in the tournament play Joe Burrow too. I got to get some other stuff right. So, you know, there's different pros and cons. It kind of just comes down to what type of sweat you're looking at and where you think your edge is. Is your edge you know, in getting something very specific right or is it more kind of like game theory dynamics? And uh, if if I was I always want to ask this question, if someone who – not me, mom, not me. If someone <laughs> was interested in becoming a full-time sports better and or fantasy football player, what advice would you have for that person? I mean, it's incredibly difficult. I, I It's hard for me to, to give advice that's not pessimistic. Like moving forward, like I would not be able to just bet and play fantasy sports full-time. You know, I, 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 I think of it more as like semi-professional, I guess. But the best way to do it, I guess, like you got to start out as a hobby that you take super seriously. You have to establish a track record. And what's really difficult is there is so much variance that you could be really good or really bad for a year in fantasy sports or in betting and not be entirely sure if you're good or bad at it. Like those results, (laughs) you know, we're doing the process pod, right? Like it's it's very difficult to separate the results from the process because you know you like to think if you're winning consistently that you're really good at it that might not be the case then all of a sudden you go professional and um i'd say for betting there's probably an opportunity the next three to five years if you can find a niche whether it's in prop betting live betting but again like the limits are an issue yeah live betting's tough if it you think you have it and then it just suddenly shuts off on you before it takes and the other thing you have to think about too, like what your realistic ROI is, like, let's say it's 10%, you know, which is pretty high, but let's say, you know, you've got, you know, 10% true ROI, the odds that, that you'll actually realize that over a full season and like the type of bankroll that you would need, the right. type of money you need to get down, you know, so if I'm making a hundred dollar bet and my true ROI is 10%, you know, that that's like, I'm making 10 bucks, right? 
mm-hmm. you know, over time I'm making 10 bucks on 10 bucks on that bet. Like what size of bets and how many of those bets do I need to make to make enough money to survive for a year? And then you, you layer in the variance aspect of it. So I, I guess my advice would be kind of pessimistic and say like, don't be a full-time professional better in fantasy <laughs> sports player, but um, yeah, definitely start out. I mean, take it seriously and do it as a hobby. And you, you know, there's, right. the best way to learn anything is to like, just really dig in and go at it. Yeah. But was, you, can, was... you, you can thankfully do that with this type of stuff. Like you can get a really good start without, you know, ditching your, your day job. Mm, okay. I was, I was thought there, you know, there must be one guy in every bar in America who's like, you know, I could just move to Vegas and bet on sports for the rest of my life. And you don't, you don't, you don't think about, you know, your, how much you're going to lose. Like you, you would have to be willing to risk 30, 40 grand a oh, year, man. just, just to, you know, yeah. maybe come out 30, 40 you know, grand. Like that's, I mean, way more than that, honestly, you know, if you're trying to make, I mean, there's people that put you're that trying down to make on 30 one to 40 bet, grand and you've got a 10% ROI, you, you know, you're talking 300, 400 grand. Mm. I mean, I was, maybe I was assuming you were, you were still betting, betting it back every single Yeah. Time, yeah, yeah. But... You're still betting it, but no, no, you're right. You're still betting it back. So you might, but like, but yeah, you just know, the risk like insane. And... Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, you see, you, you know, it swings up and down, but if you get too far down, like that's just the end of the road for you. Like, you know, you're get kicked out of your apartment and you can't live anymore. Like the, you might not be able to survive yeah. the randomness. Yeah. You gotta be able to sustain the swings for sure. What about Mike for, you know, people kind of like myself, and I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who are the same way, you know, maybe aren't, um, you know, I, I guess the best way to put it are, are, are amateurs that are new to this whole betting thing, uh, you know, with New York State now finally allowing sports betting um, and multiple states following suit as well. Um, what advice do you have for those people who are kind of new to the game and just kind of getting their feet wet? There's a really good book that I actually read like a year or two ago called the logic of sports betting. It's by Matthew David Dow and Ed Miller. And it's a really good book because it, it, there's nothing crazy. It's not one of those books that you're going to read. Like, it's not like a get rich quick book. It's like Mm -hmm. they very clearly and logically kind of outline what's actually going into how books are making lines and where there could possibly be edge. And it'll, at first kind of like humble you into thinking like there's no way I I can bet profitably. (laughs) But then as you get in, I I think like the the main takeaway from the book is you're not going to be able to sit here and intuit like, Oh yeah. Bengals plus four and a half. Like, you know, like, like (laughs) everyone kind of thinks they can just figure this. There's so many things that are factored into the line, but what you might have is, certain games and certain styles that mesh together that maybe you've got a better handle on than the market. Like you might have a niche. And again, that goes back to like, you don't have to bet every game. Someone who's betting Mm -hmm. every game is almost a guaranteed loser. You know, like there's no one out there that has some model that is spitting out plus EV picks against the spread for every single game. It's impossible. Um, I think one of the examples they use in the book is like, maybe you have a better handle on games where there's a backup quarterback, you know, that's starting the game. Like there, you think the books aren't lining those correctly, or maybe you have a handle on in-game live betting. Like you think the lines are, you know, swinging too rapidly Mm -hmm. based on the first score 
or something. Mm -hmm. So I guess I, I would say to like kind of, I mean, you got to experiment a little bit, but try and find your niche, you know, find what you're good at. And you're going back to like, when you find an edge, you want to push that edge, you know, kind of try and discover where your edge lies and be, be a specialist, I guess. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, the biggest thing I've learned doing this stuff the last five years is, you know, trust smart people, man. Like you don't, you don't have to do it all yourself. You know, mm -hmm. if you can network and find a, a group of people that are pretty sharp and intelligent and you can tell those people, um, I mean, I'm not saying like straight, just like listen to exactly what someone says and just about what they say, but like learn their methodology, their thought processes, kind of see like what type of betting are they trying to get in? Like what markets are they betting? Um, that's, that's what I'd say. And then like, if you want something like specific, like a little bit more specifically actionable, you know, we, we talked this whole show about props, but like betting stuff like props, um, or futures markets, you know, it might be tough to get a ton of money down, but if you're amateur and you, you want to have some fun and be profitable, like those are the types of markets that again, like th those are going to be a lot more profitable, um, probably for you than betting sides and totals. All right. Well, hey, we'll close with this. Futures market 2023 Super Bowl. Bills and Chiefs have tied for the best odds right now, plus 700 on FanDuel. I assume whoever wins wins on Sunday might uh, shoot up a little bit. Maybe you wait and get some better odds after the winning team moves up. But The, Ram the Rams are third, so for what it's worth. Yes. The, the Rams are third and the Bengals are seventh. Well, if the Rams win on Sunday, I assume they would become the favorite to maybe just just in the, in the market to to win again, just because people seem to get that in their head that it can happen mm -hmm. again. But mm -hmm. well, absolutely, it's wide open in the NFC. Yes. Well, hey, right we're now. trying to we're trying to leave it on a positive uh, Buffalo note here. The Bills have the the best odds right now, tied for next year's Super Bowl. Yeah. Don't Chin don't up. break my heart again. Don't break my heart again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike Leone. Thanks so much. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, thanks, we'll Mike. see you at the gym sometime. <laughs> yes, sir. This is a, a great, a great segue. We need to thank our sponsors, Ethos Performance Rehab. You can catch them at Mustache Barbell Fit Barbell and Fitness. Uh, Ethos Performance Rehab. If you have an injury, you are working to rehab a little nagging pain, something that just bothers you more than it should when you do a certain exercise. Talk, call ethos they will diagnose it they will show you exactly what muscle does this lever at this angle and they know what you're talking about they know how to fix it ethos performance rehab tell them the process sent you absolutely mike before we let you go uh let everyone know where they can find you on on the good old twitter machine and, and everywhere else yep at two hats one mike on twitter and all my works over at establish the run so establish the Definitely make sure to check us out, whether you're a football or basketball fan, assuming a football fan, if you're listening to this podcast. But uh, if you're an NBA fan as well, we got you covered. By the way, where did two hats one might come from? Oh, man, that's we're not going to get out of here quickly. Um, <laughs> the short story is I got very, very drunk at a FanDuel live uh, baseball event, and I the, you know, they had all these free hats that they gave to the attendees and I was walking around with, with two hats and thus two hats. <laughs> one Mike was, was born. I like all it. Right. I like it. Two hats, one Mike. Mike, Larry, thanks so much for hopping on. Thanks guys. Thanks, Take Mike. Care.